I would like to think, on one level or another, that we're all becoming aware of the negative impacts that are happening on our surrounding environment and nature. But how do we begin to acknowledge that within ourselves? How do we begin to navigate our emotions to avoid overwhelm so that we can get to a place where we can actually do something about it? This is exactly what I explored with Shona Hunter, who's the community organizer at the WA Forest Alliance. Shona brings her wealth of experience of working in this area and the hours that she's given to this cause for us to go through this tricky journey from a real personal point of view so that we can begin to get to a place, like I said, where we can start to process our own emotions and consider and open up to the potential actions that we can take to help in these areas. So enjoy Shona. I just want to start by acknowledging that we're on um, Wajak Noongar country and that uh, sovereignty was never ceded and that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land and that the Aboriginal people of Australia were the first activists in Australia fighting for their, for their country and their children and their freedom and that that fight um, exists today and the activists of the past and the current activists of the present and the ones that are emerging, I'd like to just acknowledge those as well. Hmm. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. After that wonderful welcome to country, I'd like to welcome Shona Hunter to the show. Shona, welcome. Thanks. Thank you very much for having me. Well, it's a pleasure actually. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Good, good. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. So um, you're community organiser for the WA Forest Alliance, which is an umbrella organisation that, um, what does it do? Help provide support to other small groups initiatives um, who centre around the, the forest concerns. Yeah, I think lessons, uh, not so much support, but more that we all have the common interest mm. of protecting the southwest forests, the native yes. forests in the southwest, and that there's um, the recognition that there's lots of individuals and community groups throughout mm. the southwest that have been working for this aim, uh, the full, full protection for, you know, like nearly 40 years now, mm. and longer for some other people. Um, and so we work together in a kind of a, in a crossroads kind of way where we help each other out and um, yeah, we have, we share the same aims. Yeah. Mm. So we amplify each other's voices and yes. yeah, it's, yeah, it's movement building stuff. So, so I first came across this issue um, when I went to see the film Cry of the Forest. Um, Powerful film. Yeah. It made things very, very clear, straight to the point. Yeah. Um, it's impacted a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and it's raised bigger questions, which I wanted to dive into today with you. But I guess, you know, today's not about recanting the film. I would highly recommend people go and see that. But at a top level, for somebody who's not seen it, can you give us um, like the summary of the major points? So, so the, we can yeah. set the scene. Yeah. So the film covers off the major threats to the Southwest forests and mm. there are many and varied and um, it really highlights that the forests are under assault from many different angles um, all throughout the southwest it's not just logging that um, that the, that threatens the forest yes. 
And also that the... There's the, the mining of bauxite. There's the mining of bauxite, there's, there's dieback, and there's also the effects of climate change, and, and, and that's having a, yeah. an effect on... A, it's drought affecting the forests in, in the southwest, and it's reducing the amount of rainfall available for, you know, um, trees that are used to having, you know, much higher rainfall, mm-hmm. and so they're, they're not growing as tall, or a, and, they're, they're, yeah, they're drought affected. Yes. Yeah, so it also kind of... Um, does a really beautiful um, way of demonstrating how le- the different parts of the movement to protect the native forests and the, yeah. the people involved and the different ways that um, we've worked really hard as a community to you know bring this issue to yeah. public uh, to public awareness and also to the awareness of you know decision makers and it also demonstrates um, all the beauty and the magnificence and the um, the incredible variety of values that forests have um, mm. intrinsically for themselves, for just because they exist as as forests, but also for the role that they play in you know um, sustaining life on Earth and yes. life for people. Yeah, I think as as well as the obvious message that comes through in the film, like the drone footage across the forest is just stunning. Yeah, and, and I was also struck by the. The diversity of people that the film covers who are moved to action on this issue, whether it's the um, you know the highly professional doctor couple that went and bought the land um, to do to, the agroforestry, yeah, to do the agroforestry, yeah. through to the grannies, yeah. which was just enough to bring a tear to your eye. Yeah, the um, nana's taking direct action in the forest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The grannies out there with their knitting in the middle of the yeah. night. It was yeah. just stunning to you know to people doing the chaining themselves to things and yeah. all sorts of things. It wasn't just um, one sort of demographic, demographic yeah. is the word I was looking yeah. for. Uh, it wasn't just one demographic of people. It was a variety of yeah. people all moved by this yeah. one issue. And we've worked really hard to um, to demonstrate or we didn't even need to work hard it's it's in its nature this movement is an apolitical movement there are so many people across so many demographics that understand that it's absolutely ludicrous to keep cutting down native forests there's actually no need for it and the film also does a really good job of um demonstrating how it's been happening at a financial loss and you know taxpayers are funding this um that was the that was the so I, i come from a business consulting background and that's the bit that i just found uh, shocking yeah. in the fact that there's this industry which is supported by the WA government and the WA taxpayers and therefore the WA taxpayers yeah. and it's running at a loss so and the forests belong to us in the first yeah, place yeah so it's like net 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 loss yeah, all, all, all across around. the board yeah. we're, we're losing the nature and, and we're losing money right and there's so much more economic value in keeping them standing Yes. You know, because for tourism and beekeeping and, and recreation and mm. all the other, you know, values, social values that mm. forests play um, a role in our economy yeah. for that is that's they're worth far more standing financially yeah. and also for their other benefits as well. And and the film also does a really good job of demonstrating how it's um, forests are really needed to help mitigate climate change. They're actually you know, the the byline of the film is can we save the forests in time for them to save us? Because yes. We need that carbon drawdown. It's absolutely essential to keep every single forest intact across the whole globe if we yeah. are going to fight. Not just ours, yeah. all, all of them, of, all but of this them. is ours on our this doorstep. This is ours, yeah. yeah. And I think particularly when you saw the 
saw the map of what was there and what is in place now. Oh, yeah. That's scary. Stark, yeah. And also what's left available for logging. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So... More so, than half. More than half of what's left. Yes, is available for logging. So I guess what I wanted to ask was because the you know the issue around our forest is, is clear and present and yet there are so many other issues of the same ilk you know whether environmental it's issues. environmental yeah. issues mm-hmm. uh, climate related issues um biodiversity loss bi- issues yeah yeah but then also just how we're treating fellow men issues yeah. so there's all these Social well, justice issues. Yeah, social justice issues, all, yeah. all of them. How, how do you go about placing your issue in the marketplace of other issues mm. that are all screaming for attention? Mm. How have you guys gone about actually um, capturing the attention of everyday folk? towards this because this is what I find you know I I could I could go and watch cry of you know cry, cry of the, the forest, forest yeah. and then I could come home and put Netflix on and watch Sea Spiracy mm. and then I could go and watch something out and and all of a sudden it's like bang 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 it's quite overwhelming fuck it's overload yeah you know yeah so and so I guess, that sends a lot of people into apathy because they're just like yeah I can't deal and we'll probably come into that in a minute like yeah. people's reaction but I guess um how do you actually even go about placing this issue in the marketplace of issues, if that's... I think we haven't deliberately done that. Mm. I don't think we've needed to because there has been such an affinity, like such a natural drawing for West Australians to really support their forests or the forests. And I think that's it's part of you know, who we are as West Australians, that the, the Southwest Native Forests make up our childhood memories. They mm. make up so much of our holiday time. They make up so much of what we value about where we live, mm. that it's, it's, it's a natural thing for people to want to save them. So we haven't had to compete in the marketplace of issues, right. so to speak. And yeah. we've, we've never seen it like that. And we've never deliberately tried to um, be competitive Yes, yeah. it's just naturally occurred that um, the movement has drawn th- thousands upon thousands of people. And I think what makes people stay is that uh, there's a few things. Mm. Um, That's an interesting a, thing. Not, yeah. not just be aware, but then stay. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of people that are drawn and, and can really understand the issue and are totally on side with the movement. Um, but then the, the reason why the movement is, is so mobilised and so active I think it comes from, you know, the 40 years of legacy that this was, you know, the Mm. Western Australia's environmental movement of movements was founded upon the forest movements, you know, and some of the biggest wins that we've had in environmental, you know, spaces has been for forests historically in in Western Australia. So we have this legacy of many, many campaigners and activists and individuals and decision mm. makers that have come before us who've, who've really, worked, really worked really hard and made, um, yeah, really set, set the whole movement up. Um, and it's got, yeah, it's got time behind it. It's got history behind it. Yeah, it's got some momentum. Yeah, and it's also that history um, is really founded in some 
beautiful roots of non-violence mm. and deep respect for working with people and decision makers and this we've got a great rapport with decision makers you know we, we work together with them when we're not working against the workers we're trying to find solutions through developing the forest for life transition plan which gives gives the workers you know the the way out of a you know a dying industry mm. and the government's not doing that but we've developed a plan which means that these people are not left behind and communities are not left behind yes so we're inclusive like we saw i'm from england yeah originally so like we saw with the coal industry where they're like the coal mine shuts down and then where do these and people go like, they've got oh, no money and no yeah. you know livelihoods and and all the regional and economies gone and yeah exactly and the regional economies that um, really rely on that, you know, local expenditure of those workers also suffers. Yes. Um, yes. And so we've, you know, we've developed a transition plan, which is really, you know, the state government's job to do that. But, mm. you know, we've self-funded that, the, um, you know, the research into that plan. So this is all about making sure that we have a solution, but also including everybody's needs and having this way of working where we, there's mutual respect um, and yeah, we've we've got that we've got that behind us, and that's yeah. from, you know um, decades of yeah really really strong relationships. And then I think the the next thing that I'd like to say about how, why people are drawn and stay um, in the movement is that there's a couple of things. Next is that we have an action plan. We give people things that are very specific, yes. very measurable, and very achievable. And mm. that feeling of when you see the film and you see the destruction and, and you start to edge into that overwhelm and apathy, mm. the panacea for that is action. And yeah. you need to be able to take action that you see is actually going to make a difference in order for you to feel like you have some control and power over the issue. Yes. And that's what, that's as, a, as an individual, we want to be empowered to do something well, I feel about it. Like we that, can do something. That it's possible that mm. we can make change. And... That brings me to the next thing is that it's absolutely possible. It's absolutely achievable. It's not yeah. something that's so far out of reach, like, you know, ending, um, you know, the gas industry in Western Australia. Like that's a massive ask. transition and a yeah. massive ask. But transitioning, you know, 350 jobs and, a, you know, a loss making industry is a really easy win. Yes. With massive global benefits it doesn't just benefit the local wildlife and the local people and the local forests and our rainfall yeah. it also has global benefits and i think that that's what's so attractive about it is that in our backyard we've got this low-hanging climate you know climate action fruit yes that yeah. we can actually pick and eat and do and do right now and feel yeah. good like we've got a sense of momentum into yeah. this thing and because we've had buy-in with decision makers like we, we make mm. pro we're making progress because it's just mm. a no-brainer yeah. yeah i'll come to yeah. that in a minute um is there um almost like a, a path that you see when when somebody encounters this for the first time was like a, a personal journey that they might go through because i've had um a, a previous guest quite a few years ago who who um was a Jungian analyst we we talked about um dealing with the trauma of being aware of our impact on on the environment and how that people open up for a moment and then go whoa that's too much 
yeah. and that's me and I'm doing all of it and then snap yeah. and then I'm gonna Bail. get, get yeah. out of this yeah because it's all just too murky and too much for me to yeah. sit with so is there sort of a pattern that you see with with or paths that you see people go through when they first interact with this and as they you know start to go further into this issue that's a really good question and I think that um the, it, the people are, begin the, um, their journey in this movement in lots of different ways yeah. because it's such a dynamic and, um, yeah, uh, what's the word, dynamic and uh, varied yeah. campaign. Like there's so, yeah. many, there's so many different ways different you can get involved. Subjective so, things that trigger you in right. to start with. So, and also we, I'm, as a community organiser, I've been really... Um, pushing this idea of being, you know, se radically self-responsible and mm. empowered to do what you can do in your own area of influence. Yes. So rather than trying to worry about the solution and fixing the problem, just look at what's around you and how you can make influence in the area around yeah. you. Because that's an easy route to bypass out, isn't it? It's yeah. like, oh, the problem's so enormous. Yeah. There's no way I can do anything. Like, Too hard. Check, I'm yeah. out. Yeah. So yeah. I'd have these conversations around like what's possible given your own lifestyle, given your own capacity, given your own availability and given your area of influence and what you do on a day-to-day -day basis, what's possible for you? And sometimes it's a conversation mm. and that's powerful. Yeah. You talk to the right person and you can really make a difference. Yeah. And sometimes it's writing a letter and sometimes it's you know, um, you know, putting on a film screening at the at your kid's school. Yeah. Or sometimes it's um, donating money because you know you trust in this grassroots yeah. organisation that's been around for thirty years, mm. and, and you, you want to see it capture its time, poor person. Exactly, and that's yeah. Yeah, because I think I think uh, the reason why I ask is because I think it's important because because there's so many issues out there in that it can be an overwhelm and then it's easy to then all of a sudden become aware of um an environmental issue particularly one that's right on your doorstep it's it, you know it's, it's it's one thing talking about a floating island of island plastic in the pacific which is on the other side of the world to us mm. right it's not really relatable right now it, it, mm. yeah it, you know and that's where you get this sort of, well, it should be. Right. Um, it and, should, and it should, don't yeah. get me wrong. I mean, I can it, relate, but yeah. But, you know, but then we've got something that's really close, a really close to home forest in Southwest. And then, you know, you get that sort of dawn of awakening of like, oh, fuck, you know, I and everyone else are treading really heavily mm. on, on the land and we're making an impact directly and directly. This is going on. And then... You know, you can be concerned, confused, angry, outraged. All of these, you know, emotions can be released and then you don't know what to do with it. And then if, you know, somebody appears to know a whole lot more about this and you don't, and so it's like, well, I don't, and then you can be embarrassed and it's like, all, all these, all this little journey, it's like the, I'm interested in like the personal journey to have a discussion around that because if we can normalize an acceptance to say, look, I didn't know about this mm. and that's okay. Mm. Not like, 
oh, you didn't know about the forest. Oh, dear. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you didn't know, well. Where have you been? Where have you been? Yeah. You've just been living in your own little world. And yeah. it's like, okay, shame's not going to help. No. Right here. Sh no. Shame is only going to throw people further yeah. and further away. So it's almost like, an, it, it, it always needs to be like this accepting cushion of like, you didn't know. Okay, all right, come in. Um, tell us what you know, tell us what you don't yeah. know. And it's okay that you don't know, but it's great that you do now. Yeah. And we recognize that you don't know all of it. Yeah. And, and maybe you don't need to go all the way down the rabbit hole with it. Maybe just the top of it is fine. Yeah. For now. And whatever you yeah. can possibly do, like whatever's mm. possible for you. That's definitely the key. Yeah. And also the principles of nonviolence that, you know, the West Australian Forest Alliance was kind of founded mm. on it and, and the community campaigners that have been doing direct action for forest protection for, you know, decades. Mm. Those principles apply like subtly and sort of subconsciously in all the work that we do. Mm. So the you know the idea of shame is is a is a violent is a violent right. communication idea and the idea of um uh you know belittling or or um disempowering somebody or um yeah it's it's it that the the principles of nonviolence work through into the ways that we take action mm. and, and the way that we you know the west australian forest alliance is a community like it's i like to call it like a community it, that's how I refer to it when I'm, I'm talking with all the people that are involved. We really, like, there's a lot of support that goes on and the affinity that we have when we work together is is quite personal. You know, people come into my home and drink cups of tea and do handstands every Monday while we pack team kits and count T-shirts and data entry. Like, yeah. we and we listen to each other on a personal level and also about we have that make that space for the grief around climate grief and you know mm. biodiversity loss and we, we talk about these things and we accept that this is part of being in the movement is that you know there is going to be mental emotional health breakdown in doing this work and it's yes it's absolutely absolutely the way that it has been and can, will continue to be and will probably get worse yeah so we create a space for holding that just by our nature and the people that we work with understand understand that compassion and understand mm. that that's what's needed. Yeah. I think, yeah, grief is the word, isn't grief it? Grief is the word. Because you look upon the destruction. Yeah. And it's absolutely devastating. And it's devastating. And it is loss. Yeah. It's loss. So it is and grief. In it, and the grief is, you know, doubly, triply, whatever, com compounded because it's not just in this moment loss it's loss for future generations mm. and that loss for future generations is going to be you know exponential compared to the current loss that we're experiencing mm. and that grief is you know even yes. deeper for those of us who are parents before and grief you know what will come yeah in the future in the future yeah mm. for the people not yet born that's very big for a lot of people to hold and we we understand that as you know, activists and climate activists, it's part of yeah. who we are. And it, for me personally, it's part of my driving force. Like I, that grief that I feel, and you know, less less rage now. I used to get really like, oh my goodness, it's just like. We'll come to rage in a minute. But now it's more like underneath that rage is always for me grief personally. Yes. And that grief, if I can channel that into taking action then i feel 
so empowered. I said it before, you know, I feel so like there's something that I can do and I can yeah. see I can see a way forward given my own personal circumstances and what I can achieve. Mm. Yeah. And together as a community, like when we all do our little bits, we end up with this movement that's so powerful. Yes. You know, because you need the people who write the letters. You need the people who are going to go and deliver the leaflets. You need the people who are going to cook the meal for the premiere of the film. You need the people who are going to collect raffle prizes and yeah. donations. You yeah, need the businesses bit. who put their f stuff in the cafes. You need, um, you know, the beekeepers talking about this. You need, everyone mm. is needed. It doesn't matter how you show up. That's my favorite thing to say. Everyone is needed. It doesn't matter yeah, how, how you, you show, show up. up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to another point you just mentioned before when you were talking about grief, the recognition that, how do I put this? You almost are on a hiding to nothing or you always are on a journey to a bit of an emotional breakdown at yeah. some point because unless we get to such a radical systematic change, mm. and, and we'll probably come into this when I ask you the question about how you influence decision makers in a minute, but um, I think we have to have the recognition that currently we have these commercial entities which are born out of a period of enlightenment and rationalization where it's winners and losers. And the game is set up with a set of rules based on extractive economies. And, and until such time as we figure out how to replace all of that, we continue to have this thought perspective or this action perspective that's just gained a ridiculous momentum that's, some may say it's out of control, um, that will continue to happen. And it's, it's, not it's not necessarily the people in it, it's the whole structure of the power that continues to go. And until such time as that's put to one side, yeah, you, you, you are going to head towards a bit of a, probably an emotional breakdown more than a mental mm. breakdown. Is that, is that how you'd see it? Both. They're intrinsic yeah. and you see it in the young children, you yes. know, in the, in the, you know, the students and who mm. are realizing what the future holds for them. And there's an emotional breakdown and there's a mental illness attached to that. And yeah, you, yeah, that there is a trend and mm. there will be a need for, you know, counsellors and psychologists who are especially trained in dealing with climate grief. Yes. And I would like to say that, that it's, it's important to have that grief and it's important to feel that grief and yeah. sit with that grief and be uncomfortable in that. And there's a lot, like these are my personal opinions, you know, there's a lot of ignoring the stuff that doesn't feel right and pushing it away and mm. just getting on with things and not feeling it, not being yeah. with it, not sitting with it. Well, and regular, powerful. List, regular yeah. listeners of the show are know, probably know exactly what I'm going to say next, which is I have an emerging hypothesis because it turned up in like the last several <laughs> interviews, but it's come up again, is that that grief is an appropriate response yeah. to to what's going on in the world. Absolutely. I'm coming to this place where much of our mental and emotional health issues are not a problem with the individual. The individual's fine. No. They're an appropriate response 
to a world that's not going in a healthy, productive. And if you're not having that response of grief right now, now, then you're not paying attention. That's more concern. That's more of a concern. You're not paying attention. Mm. You're not living in what is actually the reality right now. Yeah. And that's concerning is that I think that it's to be celebrated if you're able to connect, if you're able to see what's happening and connect with the grief because you're, you know, you're far more along the the journey to doing something about it and making change and being part of the change if you can first do that. If you can first see what's happening and then and then feel the grief mm. and use that grief like it's a it's an energy for change yes it's a powerful tool it's there for a reason grief exists in us to motivate us to do something mm. you know especially that feeling of injustice that comes with grief yes that's the real motivator for me that climate justice mm. thing that this is not fair on people that have done nothing absolutely nothing to towards creating this problem yes and that sense of injustice for me is like a real driving force yes now you mentioned rage earlier on Mm. how how have you come to live with that because because as you disappear into the it's almost like the the swamp of emotions you know um acknowledging is the way out but part of that navigation, particularly if you've gone into the depressive parts, is you know, anger's a mm. anger's an appropriate transitional emotion at times. Yeah. So how did you deal with rage? I I dealt with rage by usually it was a triggered response in an interaction that I'm having with somebody. Yeah. Um, a lot of the time, not necessarily, at, or in reaction to not necessarily somebody that I knew or an interaction mm. that I'm having personally, but just like this, how, how dare you, you know, that feeling of like, how dare you make those decisions on behalf of all of us? Mm. You know, that kind of rage. Mm. And that for me, there's a few steps in that process in my mind is um, firstly, that um, compassion is a, a big part of it for me. Mm. And understanding that... Um, if I take responsibility for what I can do in my own life, yeah. then that somehow diffuses the rage because it puts the power back in my own hands. Yes. Yeah. And I, I don't have that I don't have that rage anymore for that person because I'm focused on what I can do well, in my own doing. in my own area of influence. Mm. And that really, really helps. But that compassion also, especially on a campaigning one to one level, you know, if you're at a stall and somebody comes up to you and says, Oh well, you know, like somebody shared like one of our amazing volunteers shared with me yesterday, somebody said to him in passing at a stall, Oh well, you know, that's just the way it is, isn't it, mate? Too bad, too sad kind of attitude. Mm. And it's just, you know, firstly, my response to that was like, that guy's not part of our movement and we don't need him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need the people that get it yeah. and want to work with us. Yes. And you know what? It's gone, for me, campaigning has gone way past that point of trying to convert people. Yes. If you're not already converted, you're getting left behind and we're going to move on without you. Yes. We don't actually need everyone. everyone to be on side yeah. to make mass change yeah. or to create yeah, you need mass sort of movements, 5-10%. right? It's yeah. even less than that. Mm. So it's, it's a really small amount. You don't need that many people to, yeah. you know, make a revolution really. Yeah. No. So, and those people, if you, if I, if I personally put my energy into 
trying to change their mind, I am going to get stuck in that negative feedback loop mm. and I'm going to get stuck in my own emotions and it's going to be super triggering for me. That's my personal experience. I'd rather just say... And you're have on a, a hiding lovely... to nothing though, yeah, aren't right? you? Yeah, right. I'd rather just say, have a lovely day. Maybe just check us out on the website. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah. When you arrive at the awakening, yeah. come, we'll be still we'll here be, for yeah. you. Let, let us know if you want to get involved later, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't engage in trying to convert people anymore personally. I yeah. just, there's, I'd rather put my energy into people who are like, yes, I'm on board. What's next? Let's go. Yes. That's where the power, that's where the change mm. lies. Mm. And it's not about just doing what's positive. It's about go where the energy is flowing, like mm. where, it's, where it is. Just use that momentum. Hmm. Work with that, yeah. I suppose another area of um, another area of you know, trauma, grief, rage in this is that um, with, without getting all Carl Jungian on it, is that as you look at what is happening to the trees, you your projection out onto what is happening to the trees in the forest is a direct mirror of what's happening to us as we wake up every day and get shepherded off to work and get extracted. Yeah. And when you see, like, I don't know if you've ever been in a Clearfell coop or seen machinery operating. No. But when you're on the ground and you can hear it and you can feel it, in your bones and in your heart, it's absolutely devastating. Yes. And that, um, for me, it's less about the, the reflection. It's more like we, we feel this. Like mm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a felt thing between all beings yes. on this planet. Like it mm. hurts. Yes. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether you're a, a human or an animal or a plant or whatever like it's all part of that same yes. feeling and it's yeah i think yeah and i guess the point i was trying which to make is different is to the it, point you were trying to make but yeah yeah it, it does hurt and and there'll be that base level i think it probably hurts that bit more because as you watch what's happening it's it's us that are doing us humans that are doing that mm. to the forest but it's us humans that are doing it to ourselves as yeah, well. We're stuck in uh, some of us. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad to yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, the power really lies in working together for me. Like mm. being, being around, the pe yeah, being around the people that are committed to changing the paradigm and living the change of the paradigm in everyday actions. Yeah. And having these, you know, difficult conversations. That's um, like we're doing now. Like we're doing now is absolutely like that's the way forward. If we put all the power in corporations to make change to yes. their regulations, if we hand over all our power yeah. to governments to make the right laws and decisions and policies, proxy it out. Just like it's up to them, they should be doing it. Then we lose our power to make mm. change we handed mm. it all over yeah. you know it's far more empowering to go they're yeah. going to do what they're going to do i'm going to do what i'm going to do and i'm going to make sure that what that what that is mm. makes a big difference mm. yeah not just in my life but in the lives of people around me and that includes you know taking care of people 
you know, and being available for people, mm. showing up for people when they need it, you know, in their whatever, their climate grief or their day-to-day shit, you know? Yeah. Just the day-to-day shit of having to fucking turn up to work every day yeah, yeah. and do that. Yeah, be an extractor. Be an extractor, yeah. Yeah, or be an extracted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Or so, both simultaneously. Yes, yes, yes. Um. So... How? I'm really enjoying this conversation, by the way. Good. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Sorry to interrupt your thought process. No, no, there, no, but not I'm at just, all. What, yeah. All right, then. What is it you're enjoying about this conversation so far? Well, I'm just enjoying um, being able to just really express freely. Yeah, a bunch of stuff that, yeah, my thought patterns around the kinds of campaigning, hmm. you know, that we do, and like the the depth of thought that that i have around it that's yeah. that's really refreshing and i think rather uh, than just what are the tools that you use and the strategies that you have and the you well, know yeah, who are I, the key people and you i know. wanted to i wanted to bring a like an almost an inner world perspective to it or inner world journey to it because it, it, it like i said it can be overwhelming and then people don't want to look stupid mm. people don't want to look daft mm. and and so sometimes it's easier just to go than than asking the question or 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 saying like i'm really angry but i'm confused and i've got this other feeling which i can't quite place and i've had it before oh that's grief um all about this and and acknowledging that so then you can move to the next place yeah because we don't we can't engage in cognitive and strategic thinking if we haven't processed the emotion that sits beforehand mm-hmm. you can't move from one to the other oh i'm useless if i haven't worked out my stuff before i try stuff. and do something you know and that's just yeah <laughs> like, contrary to what people think that is yeah a, that's a human pattern yeah that's part of the human map oh, of loss. it's everywhere yeah because we can't sit with the stuff mm. can't sit with our stuff be with our stuff yes so yeah. like tell ourselves a story or avoid it or go, go that, to work yeah. yeah take substances yeah yeah, yeah. Get busy. Get busy. Everyone's favourite. Busy. My, yeah. my personal downfall. The, yeah, busyness, the crack of the mm. modern day person. Super addictive. What have you been up to recently? Busy. Busy. Really? Yeah. Why'd you do that, you mum? <laughs> um, so, <laughs> the next question. <laughs> next question. The, the next sort of uh, question I wanted to ask is coming out of you know, the personal experience, how or, or how do you re- how do you begin to approach or um, influencing decision makers and and the world around this? So you know we've always gone from the inner journey to now the outside part mm. of it. Yeah, um, let's again say it's a multi prong approach. Mm definitely first and foremost. Yes. And again, that there are lots of different, um, I guess, tools that are used. Mm. I don't really like using the word tools, it, it approaches. Yeah. Um, and that's of a natural consequence. Mm. It's not a deliberate, oh, we must, we need these key ingredients mm. to make a movement work and be able to make these decision makers stand up and listen. Mm. I mean, there is a bunch of those, you yeah. know, 
but in the work that we do it's far more grassroots it's far more like Mm. using what energy there is and using what people come to the table and using you know using what we have to affect change rather than um yeah i mean there's definitely strategies but so for example um for me person my personal favorite is definitely civil disobedience and direct action yes i think for me that um so let's be clear yeah what does civil disobedience and direct action actually mean and also while we're coupling it in there what does non-violence mean as well all at the same time so non-violent direct action is um getting in the way putting your own personal body on the line to um stop stop work stop so that somebody could be from doing chain yourself to a tree yeah it it can also be disruptive which is more the civil disobedience yeah. side of things so you could have a flash mob at the train station and it's a big fun dance and then at the end you're handing out flyers and you've disrupted people's day mm. and it's by nature non-violent because you're not harming mm. anyone you're not using abusive language you're not damaging property and you are showing up with compassion and seeing the humanity mm. humanity in the person that you're you know stopping so for example if you're at a um in a forest and you're wanting to stop the workers there's no animosity towards the workers there's there's no. very much a peaceable approach yeah around i get it this is hard for you it's your job you need to pay yeah. the bills mm. you're a human and you're driven within the system yeah and i hear you this is you know and i hear your anger towards us and i feel that this is really hard for you and i'm not moving yes yeah Yeah. i recognize you and and i'm I'm not not doing anything yeah yeah i'm not doing yeah the thing yeah yeah so there's lots of different ways in i'm not here to fuck up your individual day no i'm just here i'm just here and i'm not moving yes so it's basically you know being immovable a lot of the time yeah and that in a forest situation can be you know sitting down in a road and stopping a truck or yeah it can be chaining yourself locking yourself onto a truck it can be um creating some kind of uh you know blockade device like a tripod or a um a dragon where you dig a big you know um cement barrel into the ground and lock yourself into the cement barrel so that right can't be moved a tree sit and that makes the workplace dangerous and, and mm. they have to stop work or you can just like show up in the bush and kind of you know play 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 camo and just they know you're in there so they can't work because they're endangering your life so you just don't move and then when they come to try and find you you're just sort of Move around. around a little bit yeah there's all sorts of different techniques in terms of actual stopping work in mm. forest blockade and I mean it's there are some incredibly creative humans not just here obviously all over the world that have done some incredible things mm. and you know there's things that are disruptive again like you know dropping banners and flyering and stickering and you know mm. all of that kind of stuff doing paste ups and things and and then there's some more creative actions where you um you know, disrupting things. Like, for example, I showed up to a FPC, the Forest Products Commission, were tendering out a bunch of um, forest, basically. They were calling it timber. But it was basically thousands and tens of thousands of hectares of forest they were tendering Mm. out to a buyer. So 
I turned up to the buying forum and sat through the whole presentation of the tender application process. And then at the end, I stood up and disrupted the meeting and offered FPC a giant check for $1 million to buy back all the forests. Mm. And that's another way of like, that's, that's another way of doing nonviolent direct action or civil disobedience, mm. being disruptive in that way that disrupts the way that people think, yep. disrupts their day. Yeah. Yes. And what happens in those blockades? It's kind of like... Yeah. Because, well, A, it needs that. But B, you know, we, we have these behaviours and patterns and ceremonies and things like that, like, the, you know, the, 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 the tendering process. And um, why not just go and disrupt it? Yeah, why not? And maybe someone in that room will think something a little bit differently after that. As a result. As a result. And you yeah. never know what effect that's going to have. Yeah. And in the meantime, something like that makes a bunch of the community laugh and it's fun. You know, yeah, it's it a good, takes things less it, seriously. Yeah, and it's also just a fun thing to be a part of. Mm. So, but it, specifically in terms of like what influences decision makers mm. and the context of non-violent well, action. Just before that, what are the decisions you're trying to influence? Yeah, I suppose that's a technically. Yeah, there's a there's a um, a forest management plan. And it's a 10-year plan and it's due to begin to be reviewed in the middle of this year Mm -hmm. and by the middle of 2023 there'll be a new 10-year forest management plan for the state for the state yeah and that that whole that document um governs the entire way that forests are managed and it decides what forests get logged it decides how much what contracts are signed it you know it decides all the regulations and procedures around the management of forests Mm. and what we want to influence is decision makers to turn that into a forest conservation plan yes and to transition the contracts and the workers into the plantation sector and into farm forestry 100 percent yeah and that takes investing because we don't want to be then buying old growth and you know native timber from Indonesia to replace our you know carry and jarra. Yeah. We we have to come up with a sustainable timber plan. Yes. And we have to do that locally and provide for our own needs locally as you know even just that we don't want to be shipping stuff halfway around the world, you know. No, to get We're in a climate crisis, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. As long as it, if it's just recogni- yeah. recognizing we do have a need for timber, right? We do, and we also can create jobs. The Forest for Life transition plan creates like up to nine hundred jobs in the region. Yeah, and currently, you know, it's yeah, and already, t- you know, plantation timber is ninety percent of the market anyway. Yes. So it's it's really not difficult to do. So it's the the key decision that we want to, to be made mm. is that during this draft process. They're drafting out. They're drafting up the phase out or the very complete, quick transition mm. of the native timber sector. So that would be like the. They the finish big, up the contracts. Yeah. They don't renew any contracts. Yeah. So that would be the ultimate decision yeah. that you'd like to be influencing yeah. at this point in time. That's right. Yeah. At this point in time, mm. and that means um, you know the two ministers that are responsible for creating that document are. You and know, they are. They're Dave Kelly, Minister for Forestry, 
and um, Amber Sanderson, the new um, Environment Minister and Minister for Climate Action. Right. Yeah, Amber Jade Sanderson. Jade, Amber Jade Sanderson. Yeah. Yeah. So those two ministers are responsible for, you know, the, the, their departments are responsible for writing up the forest management plan. Mm. And there is a review, a submissions process that will happen this year and there, there'll be a uh, submissions process when the actual draft is released, released in the middle of next year. Right. And that's the opportunity for stakeholders to be involved. And right now they're, you know, um, there'll be inquiry panels that yeah. are set up to look at those documents and now's the time to be um, influencing those decision makers to put key conservationists and people from other sectors of the, um, I guess, the the industries that rely on forests to have a voice yes. in that those inquiries. So the beekeeping industry and the tourism industry and the recreation industry and even the mm. food and wine industry and, mm. you know, relies so heavily on that southern forest region and the the nature of that region is so intrinsically part of the value and the sale value of yes you know what people are all the businesses down there if we didn't have yeah. the forests down there then people would be less way less likely to go yes you think <laughs> yeah 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 so we want to see representatives from those industries mm. in this inquiry process and influencing you know that forest that new that new forest conservation plan yes yeah mm. Mm. So that's the, the that's the key body of work that we're trying to influence. Yes. And there are so many ways that we um, that we we will influence that, and direct action is one of them. Yes. Yep. And you know, having conversations with um, key decision makers on an individual level, you can do that. I can do that. Students yep. can do that. Um, anyone can do that. They're your elected representative, and it's their job to listen to you whatever concern you have and mm. whatever you want to see happen, it's their job to make that happen. Yes. That's what they're paid to do. That's what they got elected for. So yes. we have to utilise that power. It's a very, very powerful tool. Well, that system, yes. And a lot of people are terrified of going to meet their local member of parliament because they're like, well, I don't know how many hectares of forest get cut down. I can't possibly remember all the statistics. I, don't, I can't talk confidently and about eloquently this. about this yes and i'm going to get shot down in this meeting because i don't know anything about forests what's the bet that this minister has no idea about forests as well probably yes. and also it's irrelevant because all you have to do is show up and say i want forest protected that's what i want yeah. end of story mm. that's what i want to say that's what i want you to do mm. just Find a way, that's your job. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't know how to do it, go and ask the WA Forest Alliance because they've worked it all out. <laughs> yeah, they've thought it through. They've thought it through, yeah. yeah. That's a really powerful tool. Yes. And yeah, and empowering part of what we do is empower people through having conversations like this mm. to actually use that tool mm. that's available to them. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's probably one of the most powerful things you can be doing. At, yeah. at this time yeah is that correct uh, absolutely yeah get in contact with your local member mm. and talk about the importance of forests and you don't even need to say why it's just that they're important and they need to be protected yeah mm. 
and we can support you if you want to have all the facts and figures and you want to leave the minister yep. with a document that says these are the reasons why just we've we've got all that stuff ready for you to mm. go so you can go and feel you know and we're doing a bunch of trainings around that too so those people who really do need to feel like they have the answers, knowledge and the yeah the we'll point. provide that training mm. yeah because mm. mm. it's um yeah it, it there's just i i there's still this bemusing part to me of, of tell me of um we we've talked about the economic benefits of 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 forests right and and you, you know you talked about the beekeeping industry the tourist industry and this that and the other and you know we've also talked about changing the forest management plan to a conservation plan um and that that all makes complete sense to my rational brain but the bit that's missing is and it, and it, and again this is another question that turns up in my podcast is where have the grown-ups gone right <laughs> that just go no we just shouldn't mess around with this stuff mm. we 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 shouldn't I, I don't want to hear your business plan i don't want to hear your economic benefit i don't want to hear all of that this is just something we shouldn't play with yeah and it's i, I know that we have to play the game and, and and pitch it at pitch it at the level because there are people who have been invested with the responsibility and the power to make decisions which impact the forest and many other things mm. but then we're you know that system in and of itself has its own individual drivers and things like that which means that you know right longer term decision doesn't always mm. happen mm. and one of the things you know I, I would love at the moment to get somebody who we could to have a discussion with on the podcast just just about whether politics and democracy is actually working mm. you know mm. given the fact that we have these four-year cycles mm. and and you you know we have human beings in this job in these jobs and like anybody, particularly now during COVID, when you know jobs can be scarce, right? Not so much at the moment, but you know people will do things to keep hold of their job because they want to get paid, because they want to put bread on the table, and they want to keep the lights on mm -hmm. and everything. So people will do things which are contrary to their better nature and their own conscience because you just have to do it. Mm -hmm. So the question that keeps arising is, where, when are the grown-ups going to show up that go, right, guys? <laughs> I actually have... Um, do you see, you see... Yeah, and you know what? I, you I, know, I myself have been on a journey in this conversation yeah. through the emotive part, listening to what I can do. Yeah. Now I'm at the point of, we have to have space to even recognise that point that I've just said. Yeah. That, I think that actually I personally... Um, have underestimated the ability for West Australian members of Parliament to be empathetic mm. and to to listen. Right. And actually, in my experience over the last three years, I have experienced 
um, when when we can when we do have those when we built those relationships mm. we are having these conversations and mm. they are grown-up conversations and they have found ways to put protections in mm. like and there have been many many inroads even in the last three years but over the course of this whole that's movement, super reassuring to you hear. know that there is there are always doors open and there are always listening ears we just need to keep having those conversations mm. turn up and, and turn up and do it and the thing that you know basically if if twenty five thousand people stood on the doorstep of parliament house and demanded that forests be protected they would be protected like that yes and that that's you and me mm. and the 25,000, you know, the 25,000 yeah. people out there alongside us. It yeah. just, it literally takes that. Yeah. That's it. Well, in the, back in, back in England, we have just seen the equivalent of 25,000 people stand up and go, no, the top six football clubs cannot disappear into a European Super League. They've all, the fans turned up and went, outrage, no. It's not happening. Guess what? Stopped. Yeah. It's very, very powerful. It's very, very powerful. And that's that's part of that direct action. Mm. You know. Uh, Providing um, overwhelming or, feedback. Yeah. It's just that you have to show up no matter what you're doing. Stop mm. what you're doing. Show up and get in the way and use your voice. And that the power of mass movement is um, something that I fully, fully prescribe to. And mm. that I'm, you know, and there will be there there will be a time this year when we're going to be calling on twenty five thousand people to gather for the forests. We're, yeah. That we're planning that for November. Mm. So there will be a time, and and you know, I, everyone needs to show up. Yes. And then it'll happen. It just takes like everyone being there at the same time in the same mm. place. Uh, you know, and it doesn't happen in a in a silo or a vacuum. You know, it's on the back of you know, 40 years of campaign. Oh, yeah. So on the back of, you know, everybody, you know, the nanas stitching leaves and, mm. you know, whatever, whatever else everyone's doing, all those little things, it's all part of the movement that gets 25,000 people there. Mm. The film is going to get 25,000 people there. Yes. All the other things that we've been doing in campaigning is the stuff that motivates people to actually show up and brings to light the issue, educates, brings awareness and raises the money so that we can keep building the awareness, you know? Yes. All of that is, is part perpetuate, of it. Perpetuate, perpetuate, yeah. perpetuate. And then, and then we end up with mm. that. It's, it is actually the only thing. And, if, and, you know, imagine if we had an active blockade in the forest every single week. If people just said, I'm not going to show up for work, I'm just going to go and camp in the bush and refuse to move. Hmm. Every single time, oh, that's bar one, three out of the four times we've set up a blockade in the last three years, the forest has been protected. Yeah. Hmm. When we set up a camp in Lewin, um, it was there for three months and... The Lewin Forest had started to be logged and we rocked up on a Friday morning and the workers didn't show up and they never showed up again. We were there for three months, sentry just keeping watch and witnessing, making sure. And then we got an announcement that not just Lewin Forest but all two-tiered carry forests of that particular calibre um, <coughs> would 
be there'd be a moratorium on the logging of those forests. Hmm. And then as a result of all the campaigning that we just did in the election period recently, the then the announcement was made that those two tiered carry forests will the moratorium will extend out to the forest management plan so another three years mm. so those tens of thousands of hectares of carry forest oh, oh no so, no six thousand hectares of carry forest are protected and they will be written out of the forest management plan we've we're fully confident of that mm. and that's you know it obviously again the blockade didn't happen in a vo vacuum but it was the catalyst. Like if we hadn't have shown up and stopped work that day and drawn mm. attention to the, this beautiful forest and this issue, then we wouldn't have had that result. We needed, we needed everything, but I do believe in, yeah. that, in the power of standing up and refusing to move. Yeah, and I think that's a really powerful message because it's easy to be quite divided, individualized mm. and, and think, oh, there's nothing but to actually see that people come together and then this was the result and this was the impact mm. of that and it's tangible mm. that's a different story yeah six thousand hectares of carriers rain making mm. that makes rain you know yeah and it draws down tons of carbon yes tons yeah and it, it is a home for you know so many different species from you know the mycelium in the soil all the way up to the carnaby cockatoos in the in the canopy you know yeah the, the gazillion different species mm. and it's um you know it's got cultural heritage values it's you know they're the indigenous cathedrals they're the spiritual places mm. they're um just as uh culturally significant and sacred as you know rock caves and ancient paintings and they are like these and that's what you know the the Wadandi people like you know uncle uncle um uncle wayne and zach webb that's what they say in the film you know this mm. yeah these are our ancestors and this is our this is our cultural belonging here mm. you're destroying the life force is what uncle uncle wayne says in the film you're destroying the yeah, life that's force right. mm. Yeah. So, how is it being Shona Hunter looking into the world like this so deeply? How does that impact you on a sort of day to day? Well, before I answer that question, I just want to acknowledge that there are like yeah, other so people in this organisation as well. And I'm just asking you your journey. Sure, and. Yeah. Not so much the journey to this point now, as no. you look into the world and you see this issue quite deeply. And then you probably see other things quite deeply as a consequence because you have that capacity to, how does that weigh on you or play in your everyday being? I think the most challenging, like when you talk about weight, mm. you know, that the, um, the most challenging thing for me is reconciling the um, the level of investment that I put in to this work. Um, it detracts from the my my presence with my family, mm. of, with the children that I'm trying to protect, and that's something that 
I struggle with a lot is that, mm. you know, the amount of emotional energy that it takes to, you know, do this work. Yes. And to... It's um, not just turning up nine to five and punching a ticket. No, and it's not, it's not just... Um, and the community work that's involved as well, like mm. the, that grief support work and that supporting people and being available for people and that, and also just, you know, um, being a community organiser means that you have to be available after hours because most of the people that you're working with are working and they're working with you after they're working. Yes. Because they're inc incredible volunteers gifting their time. Mm. And so... And they too have to go and earn yeah. a crust and put bread on the table. Yeah. And, you know, my kids don't ever want to see a forest blockade again. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's... God damn those forests. Yeah. And, and it's just because it's taking up yeah. their time with me and my presence with them. And they understand, like I've explained to them, you know, the, why we do the work that we do. But that's that's probably the, the in terms of heavy weight and the, the, the most challenging part of mm. what it's like being me and doing this kind of work. Mm. Um, and it's ironic that I'm losing out on time with my kids because I'm trying to create a better future for them. It's, that irony is mm. definitely not lost on me. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And I, I, um, I am mostly so, uh, I, I come alive with the work. Like it's not something that brings me down. And mm. I'm incredibly lucky that I have a sense of resilience and I acknowledge that there are a lot of people out there that don't have the mental capacity or the emotional capacity to carry this kind of, load and this kind yeah. of work and that I have you know that that I have um yeah I'm lucky I guess yes and that you have the capacity I have the you capacity. have the fitness and because and I strength. right yeah. and because I have that privilege I, I need to use it yes and that's that sense of like this is mm. this is my this is work that's important to me this is what I'm here for yes and I know that deeply like this work is what I'm here for. Yes. And, you know, when we save the forest in three years' time, we'll move on to bigger things. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's just yeah. going to be... And Would I it can... be time for Shane to put a feet up for a yeah, while? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do, you yeah. know, and I create balance. Like, I have a lot of fun. I have mm. a lot of, you know, I do um, have a lot of balance in my yeah. life. I do take care she of myself. She can't be serious all yeah. the time. And one of those things, too, is like being paid fairly for this work. Yes. It's something that I'm always acknowledging is that activists and campaigners are really underpaid and overworked and they carry so much of this mental emotional load. Mm. And I'm, you know, there is this paradigm that's part of the capitalist neoliberal paradigm that if you're doing something that's good, you don't get paid. Yes. And we have to break that shit down yes. because it's enabling, it's enabling. The extractive. The extractive economy to continue because mm. capitalists love it that we're all fucking burnt out and underpaid yeah yeah you know imagine if we were all getting paid fairly for what we were doing yeah. and we're all doing or stuff that was regenerative and it, progressive right? yeah they'd be losing mm. actually mm. and there's a lot there's this notion in this kind of move in this in the environmental sector and the movement that if you take money for what you do you're a sellout mm. Or that you become corrupted, mm. or that you're not really entitled to it, 
and that you should be doing the work for free uh, for the love of it because you know mm. that's how it is that's just this that we're stuck in that and yeah. I, 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 I'm constantly having conversations with people around if we were getting paid not just fairly but at the same rate of some of these company CEOs mm. imagine the capacity for change that we would have mm. you know and even if I didn't need all that money for my personal lifestyle Imagine what capacity I would have if I could reinvest that yes. back into regenerative economies, back into, you know, employing other people to do the same thing that I'm doing and, and mm. to, to, to build movement. Mm. And we can turn the economic ship around by reinvesting where our money goes and paying good people to do good things. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. And so that's part of me taking care of myself is advocating for paid activism, yes. paid campaigning, because then I can take care of my family. I'm not struggling. I'm yeah. not on the bones of my ass. And strangely enough, it, it can then become a nine to five job with space for the family at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. And I have boundaries around the work that I do. I didn't in the beginning, mm. but I've learned now that yes. in order for me to be sustainable in the work that I do, I've got to have clear boundaries around the work that I'm doing and what I can and can't do and mm. the times that I'm starting, and obviously there's flexibility because of the nature of the work and it's different hours. Mm. But I, yeah, I stopped, I'd stopped overworking and being underpaid because I realized that I was gonna get burnt out and then I'd be good for fucking nothing. Yes. You know, I'd be good for, I couldn't, there's no way I could yeah. do the work. Pulled in, chewed out. Yeah, mm. so I don't want that to happen to anyone who's doing good work. No. You know. The people that are doing good work deserve to be paid the, the most mm. to support mm. them, you know, so they can go and get the health care that they need to yes. keep doing the work. Yeah. Mm. Don't necessarily have to flog yourself. So they can pay, you know, childcare and they can have, a, they can afford a cleaner to come and clean their house. Yes. So that they can focus on the work. Yes. <laughs> that kind of stuff, like it does make a difference. It does. Yeah. So the last question I ask all my guests, yeah, it's a hypothetical one, okay. but it's always fun. Um, if I could just slow everyone down for five or 10 minutes, and then Shona could upload a question into the collective consciousness, so everyone <laughs> just sat, chilled, and reflected on your, your question, what yeah. would it be? It has to be, it, I don't know who said it, but it is a quote. Yeah. It has to be what makes you come alive. Mm. Go and do that. Yes. Not what you need to do, what you think you need to do, what you're being told to do, but what makes you come alive. That question is my favorite question. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I've really enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> Me too. It's been great. Yeah? Yeah, really. Superb. Yeah. So if people want to reach out, where do yeah. they come to? They come to the WA Forest Alliance, wafa.org.au and join the team. There's a big, big fat button on the website. Yeah. Join in, click the button and fill in your details and I'll be contacting you and, and asking you what's the thing that, you know, draws you to this? Yeah. What are you going to, what's your particular thing? Mm. And also acknowledging that some people don't have a particular thing and they just want to get direction and just like, yeah. And we've got a plan for that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Superb. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's been a real pleasure. Cool. Really. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs>